All right, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's give our attention to God's word. It says, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he, this is Jesus, that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. All men are like grass, and all of man's glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fade away, but the word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we look at it further tonight. Heavenly Father, again we pause to speak to you. And we do it not just because that's what's customary before you preach, uh, but we do it because we are needy. And we know that without you working, without you being here by your Holy Spirit, then nothing good will happen. And so, Father, we pray that you would do that, that you would condescend to us, that you would, that you would be here by your Holy Spirit, that your word would go out with power and it would change us. And, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm not sure if you uh, remember or uh, would have known who Susan Boyle is. Does that ring a bell? All right, I see some nods. Good. This illustration is going to work. All right, so if you don't know who Susan Boyle is, you should, um, you know, uh, YouTube, you, you look up, uh, search for Susan Boyle first, okay? And it'll show you her first performance. Um, she came on Britain's Got Talent in 2009 uh, with, you know, Simon Cowell and Piers Morgan and such. And so when Susan walks out, uh, everyone, basically everyone in the audience and even the judges start to snicker because what they see is this frumpy, gray-haired, grandmother, grandmotherly figure. And, you know, just as you watch the video, you and the whole audience, you're pretty sure that you're about to be in for a good laugh, right? That she's going to sing, but she, she, everything about her just says, I have no business being here. And so the the music starts... And she opens her mouth, and she starts to sing. And there is this, I'm telling you, you got to go watch it. If you haven't seen it, I'll watch it again and just, yeah. It's awesome. She starts to sing, 
And every single person in the audience and every one of the judges, you can see it all over their faces. Their jaws literally drop. And there's just this moment where they, where they realize, where you, you can almost hear everyone thinking, I did not see that coming. It's beautiful. Because she goes on to, to sing in one of the most beautiful voices you've ever heard. Um, at one of the hosts even looks at the camera in, in the midst of like that moment. And he looks at the camera and he points and he says, uh, you didn't expect that, did you? Did you? No. I spared you the British accent. <laughs> I practiced it and I didn't feel good about it. So I'm <laughs> not doing it. It's, it was, but it's one of the most vivid moments that I could think of um, along the lines of, I, I did not see that coming. Right, you've all, we've all had that experience where you're expecting one thing, pretty sure this is going to go that way, and then you get something entirely different. And uh, this passage that we have before us tonight uh, really actually has a, a couple or a few of those, of those I did not see that coming moments. Uh, this semester, as you might well know, we're studying through the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and our theme is wide-eyed wonder. Wide-eyed wonder. And that's our theme because Mark writes, Mark writes in such a way, he writes with this infectious excitement. Um, look, all the Gospels are, are no doubt exciting, but Mark has this just sense to him. It's the shortest Gospel. He packs a lot in, and everything about it moves fast. It, he's almost like a kid um, trying to tell you some, uh, you know, showing you their new toy or trying to tell you some great story about an experience. It just reads like, and this happened, and then this happened. And you can just picture Mark with these, you know, his eyes wide with excitement. And so we've said, you know, if you don't know anything about Jesus, or if you've grown up in the church and maybe you're just sort of bored with Jesus, um, it's almost like Mark wants to grab you by the hand and say, you have got to come see this. Wide-eyed wonder. Um, and it's tonight. I want you to see these these few um, I didn't see that coming moments. Uh, they're really all about the truth that Jesus brings forgiveness, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. That Jesus brings forgiveness. All right. So, what is it about this forgiveness that Jesus brings that causes such wide-eyed wonder? I want to look at three things. Uh, Jesus' forgiveness, we'll see first that it's primary. Secondly, Jesus' forgiveness is personal. And thirdly and finally, that Jesus' forgiveness is priceless. I usually don't do the alliteration thing. It can kind of be cheesy, but we're going to do it. Primary, personal, and priceless. So first, I want you to see that uh, Jesus' forgiveness is primary. All right, so as we, as we dig in, let's just sort of rehearse the story or at least uh, get the setting, what's going on. So Jesus has been out and about in Galilee, out in the region, preaching and healing and doing all sorts of amazing things. And he's come back to his hometown of Capernaum. And he's in a house. We don't know whose house it is. People, you know, get into that debate and it just doesn't matter. But he's preaching the word to these people. And people are packed into this house. Word has spread about him, 
And so this, there as many people as you can fit in this house. And they're out there all the way to the door. They're filling the doorway. There are people outside the door, you know, craning their neck to see in. And so in that, set, in that setting, Jesus is actually preaching. He says he's preaching the word to them. He's telling them about the good news of the kingdom, uh, expounding about God's law. And then all of a sudden, something starts to happen. Right? You, you can imagine the scene that you're sitting there, and you start to hear this noise, and you don't know where it's coming from. And then maybe, maybe some dust starts to sort of come down off the ceiling, and people are looking around, and Jesus is still talking, he's still teaching, and the sound's getting louder. And then more, then like actual debris starts falling from the ceiling. And so now you're looking up and, and now there's just this hole in the, in the ceiling. And something's coming through this hole. And it, it's a guy, but it's not a guy climbing in. It's this guy being lowered down on basically a stretcher. And as he comes down, you know, he, he comes down and, and people are scooting out of the way. And he ends up right at Jesus' feet. And you've got to imagine that, that there would have been this moment, right, where, where even if just for a second, everything just stops, and Jesus is looking down at this guy that has just showed up from the ceiling, and this guy's laying there, and you can tell something's wrong with him, right, and we know that he, he can't move his legs, and he's looking up at Jesus, and everybody's wondering what in the world is about to happen. Right? Because they've, they've never read Mark 2. Is Jesus going to be mad? Is he going to heal this guy? What's he going to do? And Jesus breaks the silence by looking at this guy and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, we don't get the benefit of knowing what everyone's reaction to that was, but, but what would you imagine? What would you think that that guy, the, the, the paralyzed guy, was hoping to hear? I'm, I'm sure that that came as, well, a little bit of a surprise, right? One of those, okay, I didn't see that one coming, of all the things Jesus could have said. One pastor friend of mine that I listened to uh, preach on this text, he said, he, you can just almost hear the friends, the four friends that are still up on the roof looking down when Jesus says, uh, you know, son, your sins are forgiven. That they, that one of them looks down and says, no, 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 the, the legs. We, we, came, we came for the legs, right? Because obviously that's what this guy wanted. More than anything else, this guy wants to be healed. He wants his legs to get fixed. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. You know, it almost feel like, it's kind of silly, but if you, if you accidentally cut off your arm and you went to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, all right, all right, I think we can, I think we can fix your sleeve, right? Like, oh, oh, okay, that sounds like bonus, I guess. Appreciate that, but, you know, the arm, maybe. That's more important. But what I want you to see here is that Jesus is showing us here that forgiveness is the most important thing. Or we could say it a little differently and say it this way. That that guy, the paralytic, the paralyzed guy, and, and even our, that our biggest problem is our sin. 
And that might sound really backwards or, or maybe odd, but uh, I think we need to hear it. And I think we tend not to think that, right? Uh, if you have a Bible, um, I'm going to just use this sort of as evidence of the fact that we tend not to think of that as, as the main point. Um, in my Bible, at least, and this is not to knock my ESV translation, I love it, but it's, it's, uh, the, uh, the, the heading is Jesus heals the paralytic. Okay, he does, and it's incredible, and we're going to talk about that. But pretty sure the heading ought to be Jesus forgives the paralytic. Because that's a big part of this passage. That what this guy needs more than anything else, even more than having his legs healed, is to be forgiven. Right? Certainly he thought that his biggest problem was that he can't walk. Because like, like even now, if you can't walk, that, that's obviously an enormous deal. That's a, that's a life-altering situation. 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, it meant you weren't going to have a family. You weren't going to have a job. You were going to depend on other people for everything. And you know that he thought, if I could just get my legs fixed, then I would be happy. That's all I need. But Jesus is doing sort of, I guess you could say, like spiritual triage. Right? Triage, you familiar with that term? It's, it's French for uh, separate out. And the idea is that you take care of the, the worst things first. And Jesus is, is, is showing this guy that, look, your biggest problem is your sin. Because Jesus knows that if he heals this guy's legs, that that, that in and of itself is not going to truly and ultimately satisfy him. Eventually it would wear off because his problem is deeper. And the same is true for us. Um, I think... Look, we could illustrate this with a million different things. But think back to when you got your driver's license. Right? If, if you were like me, and I'm going to guess you were. Um, except I got mine, by the way, the day after. Or I was 14. The day I turned 15, full-fledged license in Mississippi back then. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. But. All right. So think about. Think, personal details. Think back to when you got your driver's license. Right? It was. You wanted your driver's license more than anything else. You're like, all right, if I, just don't let me die before I get to drive, right? And you get your driver's license, and it's awesome. And you, you hear your parents talking uh, in, the, in the kitchen, and there's like this hint of like somebody might could go to the store. And you're like, I'll go, I'll go, I'll drive, I'll do it. I'll run the errand, right? Because you, lo- you just got your license, you love to drive, it's so much fun. And it is for a little while, right? But then what, like... Two weeks later, a month later, they're like, hey, will you take your sister to soccer practice? You're like, oh my gosh, so stupid, right? (laughs) Because, yeah, the problem of our satisfaction, it it goes a lot deeper than we tend to think it does. It goes deeper than those things can get to. So let's apply this a little bit. Look, our... It means that our problem, our biggest problem, is not our circumstances. Um, It's not our finances or our health. We tend to think, if I could just... My biggest problem is my family. If my family uh, wasn't so broken. Or if... 
My biggest problem is that I'm just not skinny enough. Or I'm just not smart enough. Or I'm not dating anybody. Or I'm not in the right group. Or I don't have enough money. Or the right opportunity. Or what, and if I could just get, then I would be happy. And what I want you to see is that Jesus is showing us that it's actually just not true. That our biggest problem is that we have, we have separated ourselves from the only one, from God, from the only one that can truly satisfy and, and that because of that, we owe a debt that we can't pay. All right, so we see that Jesus' forgiveness is primary. And we've got this problem that goes deeper. second thing I want you to see is that Jesus' forgiveness is personal. And by personal, what I mean by that is that it's shocking to some of these people, particularly these scribes, that, Jesus, that it's Jesus himself forgiving the sins. Uh, they're shocked that he, that he personally extends forgiveness. All right, so think about what Jesus has said to this guy. Right, he, he's told him that his sins are forgiven. We're going to kind of drill down into that for a minute. Like, think about what he doesn't say. He doesn't look at this guy and say, you know, hey, chin up. Chin up. You know, you're, you're not that bad of a guy. Uh, he, did, he doesn't say, you know, you, you really didn't deserve this. He says, your sins are forgiven. All right, so what does that mean? Right, what, what it meant to them, right, it's probably what you're thinking of. Jesus is looking at this guy and saying, all of the things that you have ever done wrong in your life, every, every lustful thought that you've had, Every moment of greed, every time that you've been angry with somebody, every time that you've hated somebody, that you've broken God's law, that you've done something hurtful, every time that you've been lazy, every time that you haven't loved, actively loved God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, every time you haven't been perfectly engaged in worship, All of that is all gone. Every bit of it. It's, it. It just, it never happened. Look in verse 6. If you look at verse 6, you can see that, uh, that that's the immediate reaction of the scribes. As soon as they hear Jesus uh, say that this guy's sins are forgiven, they basically freak out about it. All right, so who are the scribes? The scribes are um, basically part of the Jewish leadership, and they're like the theological um, watchdogs, right? They make sure that, um, that the theology, that what people believe about God, what, what's being taught is right on, right? So they're very, very attuned to these sorts of things. And as soon as they hear Jesus extend forgiveness, those theological red flags go up. And they, and they say, well, they think, right? They think to themselves, wait, wait, wait. That is not okay. Only God can forgive sins. What's this guy doing? He, if he's forgiving sins, he's making himself equal with God, and that's blasphemous. 
And they're actually right, at least on the first part. Because it is true that only God can forgive sins. There are plenty of places in the Old Testament that we can go to to, uh, to uh, demonstrate that. And if you think about it, it just makes sense. right? Only the person that sinned against can forgive the sin. Um, I'm going to use my interns without, without their permission, but I think it's going to be all right. Um, all right, so you can imagine that, let's say, uh, Olivia gets upset with David, and for, for no good reason, right? Unjustified. So she gets upset with David, and she starts to really spread some, uh, some nasty stuff about him around, and says some really hurtful things about him, and, you know, his reputation is, is damaged, you know, none of y'all are calling him to meet, and... And so we, we're in staff meeting, and, and they bring it up. David brings it up. He tells me about it. And I listen to all the bad things that Olivia did from David, and I, and I look over to Olivia, and I say, Olivia, it's okay. You're forgiven. Don't worry about it. It never happened. Right? That, that doesn't really work, does it? It doesn't really work. Why? Because it's, I can't forgive that. She sinned against David. It, doesn't do, it, it just doesn't make sense. So hopefully you see what's going on here, that Jesus is claiming that this guy's sin, and, and really everybody's sin, even ours here today, that everyone's sin is against him. The, the scribes actually heard him correctly. So wait, they did the math. That means that you're saying you're equal to God, and Jesus is basically saying, yeah. This guy sinned against me. And he looks and he says, you're forgiven. Um, so, yeah, they, they look and they, they, they see what Jesus is saying, so they freak out. And Jesus knows what, he, he knows what they're thinking, and so he really puts himself to the test. Look, a little side note here. If you ever think something to yourself about someone, and then they look at you, and particularly if that person's Jesus, and they say, yeah, yeah, um, about that, and then they answer it, you should probably reevaluate, right, a lot of things. <laughs> like, particularly taking them to task, but I think you get the idea. Uh, Jesus says in verse 8, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But so that, you, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he tells the guy to take up his mat and walk. All right, so do you see what he, Jesus is asking these scribes? Which one's easier to do, right? And the, you know, uh, at least initially the answer would be, well, it's easier to say that you can forgive sins, right? I mean, anybody, like, anybody can just say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Because you can't verify it. You, know, you can't go online and look somehow. You can't go up to heaven and, and check and see if that's true. So it's easy to say. But you can't just say, you're healed. And get away with it. Why? Because you know, the, the proof would be right there. And so that's what Jesus does. He says, look, so, so that you can know. So that you can know that what I say happens, watch this. Get up. And he gets up. It's proof positive that Jesus isn't just saying it, that he can actually forgive sins because he's God. Because those sins were against him. 
So what does that mean for us? Well, you know, I think the application here is pretty straightforward and fairly obvious, but there's nothing more profound. There's nothing more profound than the fact that Jesus forgives sins, and when He forgives your sins, they really are gone. They're done away with. And so if you're here tonight and you find yourself maybe for the first time recognizing that you, that you are at odds with God, that you've got a lot of, of junk in your life and in your heart that you need forgiveness for, or maybe you're a believer and, and yet you just find yourself having done it again, Right? I want you to see that you need to go to the only one that can forgive your sins. That you you can go to Jesus. And when He says He forgives you, it actually happens. It's actually done. Right? The Bible says that that He He takes your sins and puts them as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't just take your sins... And, and take them from the front of his mind and, and just sort of put them in the back of his mind where he, can, uh, you know, where he can remember them a little later. He doesn't put you on probation and like, all right, well, we're just going to hang on to that and we'll see how you do for a little bit. And if you keep screwing up, you know, I'm going to bring them back and I can dole out some punishment then. They're done away with. And so that means your sin doesn't define you anymore. That who you are... Uh, you're not identified by the people that you've hooked up with. You're not identified by your academic um, dishonesty. You're not, um, you're not identified by the awful things that you said to your parents or to your ex or whomever. Those things are gone. In his eyes, you're perfect. Because your sins are against Him and and He forgives them. All right, thirdly and finally, I want you to see that Jesus' forgiveness is priceless. His forgiveness is priceless. And I actually mean that along uh, two lines that we're going to look at very quickly. First, uh, by that I mean that Jesus' forgiveness comes at a high price. Uh, This doesn't come directly from the text, but I want you to think about it. Um, We actually just said, you know, how Jesus essentially saying that that those sins are against him. um, That anybody could just say, right, that it's easy. uh, Anybody could say, I forgive your sins, and that would be easy. But there's another level to it. Because think about this. If and since those sins are against him... That means that to forgive them, it's going to cost him. To forgive those sins, it's going to be costly to him. Because with with sin and forgiveness, someone always has to pay. Sin creates a debt, and it it can't just disappear. Someone always has to pay. Um, If you, you know, much like if you borrowed money from a bank to buy a car. Let's say you borrow $5,000 from the bank. If the bank is going to forgive your loan, which would be wonderful, they don't tend to do that. If they're going to forgive your loan, they still paid. 
Because they were owed, they have a $5,000 asset. And they're the one, they, they eat that $5,000. It doesn't just disappear. You didn't pay, but they did. We could go back to our illustration with Olivia and David. If David is going to forgive Olivia for that, what does it mean to forgive? It means that he's not going to treat her like she, she did that. He's not going to pay her back. And so that means that, he, in a sense, he's going to pay. He's going to swallow that. But somebody always pays. And the same is true with our sins against God. So for Jesus to look at this guy, for Jesus to look at you and say, your sins are forgiven, that means that it's going to cost him a whole lot. It means that Jesus is going to pay. Uh, Because Jesus' whole life, and we're going to see it, right? All of Mark is showing us how Jesus' whole life is marching towards the cross. Everything about the book, everything about Jesus' life is moving towards the cross. Where Jesus is going to pay for the sins of his people. And what's it going to cost him? It's going to cost him everything. It's going to cost him his physical life. It's going to cost him being separated from God the Father. He's enjoyed an eternity, whatever that means of perfect, unending fellowship, the the perfect smile of His Father. And He's going to endure God turning His back, and not just turning His back, but every bit of God's anger at sin is going to come down on Him because of sin. Because of your sin and my sin. It's going to be unimaginably costly, but he's He's going to... He did... Right? In this context, he's going to pay that price because he loves you. And the second aspect of this, the way in which Jesus' forgiveness is priceless is what it costs the paralytic. And yes, the wording is a little forced with priceless, but I wanted it to work. I want you to see, we're going to end with this thought, I want you to see how willing Jesus is to forgive this guy. Jesus is not slow to extend forgiveness, right? Apparently this kid, and, and I think by all you know, accounts, this has to be sort of a young person, right? There's a lot of energy involved in digging a hole in the roof and getting these, you know, these aren't older people. This kid apparently doesn't even ask for forgiveness. He just knows, he and his friends know that he's in this hopeless situation, primarily about his legs, and he, they, they have the thought, we can't do anything about it, but, but this guy can. And we're going to do whatever we can to just kind of put ourselves in his way. And he went to Jesus helpless and yet believing. And, and did you see how quick Jesus extended forgiveness? He didn't, look at, he didn't slow play it. He didn't look at this kid and and talk about... He didn't do what I'm doing. He didn't talk about how hard it's going to be to forgive you. Do you know what I'm going to have to go through? Do you know how painful it's going to be? He doesn't beat him up about what he's done. I mean, I'm going to forgive you, but I mean, seriously. You know, the way you fill in the blank. He just looks at him and the first thing he says, your sins are forgiven. So what do you do with that? 
Look, if you want forgiveness, it means you just get to go to Jesus. It's that simple. It means you don't clean yourself up first. It means you don't have to stop doing it uh, enough for long enough so that you can go to God and say, it's like, see, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of serious about this. I, I've quit doing it now for a week or a month. You just get to go. You can go straight to Jesus and know He's not going to back away from you because He's eager to forgive. He doesn't forgive like I do. Even in my best moments when I forgive, I'm probably not eager to do it. Jesus is eager to forgive you. So you can go to Him for free. And Mark wants you to see that Jesus brings a forgiveness that's so complete and it's so free and it costs Him so much that it, it, will, it will thrill your soul. And it will leave you with the, the wide-eyed wonder that we've been talking about. And that's an invitation to you. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, what an amazing thing that you offer forgiveness so freely, so quickly, so eagerly, and yet it costs you so much. Would you help us to begin to understand just a little bit of our sinfulness and and even more a little bit of how much you love us in the midst of it and how you can blot that sin out entirely. Jesus, help us to believe that. Uh, We pray this in your name. Amen.